Ugh, well, anyway, uh, this is right. our, our weekly Mario Kart deep dive with Robert and Holly. <laughs> Listening to the CXMH podcast. CXMH is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health. Hey, welcome back to the show. My name is Robert Bohr, and I'm one of your hosts. And I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Dr. Holly Oxhandler. Hey, Holly. Hey, Robert. On today's episode, we talk with Courtney Ellis about why playfulness matters, how it can show up in our everyday lives, and some ways to uh, make play more regularly. Nope, Mm. hold on. And some ways to play more regularly in our lives. But first, Holly, how are you doing this week? I'm (laughs) doing... Sorry, I'm just giggling from that. I am doing great. Yeah, I'm doing really well. I am so happy to be here with you and recording this intro. And I'm really excited that we finally are getting to release this episode. Yeah. But yeah, I'm doing all right. How are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, excited about it again. I know we've had Courtney on before and uh, we both just love her and have done some other stuff with her and and all of that. Uh, And so excited to have this conversation and then hopefully... Have have some folks uh, grab her book or or you know lean into playing a little bit more. Yes. Even, even though maybe as I said that someone said, oh, that sounds kind of weird. But exactly, you'll you'll hear kind of Courtney unpack that because mm-hmm. um, it does it does seem to be a little bit weird for us as adults or whatever. But yeah, so excited about that and uh, and doing doing well. So that's good. Did you have any stuff to talk about before a, a question? Um, I think just the one thing that I want to say is I, um, this morning, like shared that, uh, uh, Templeton is doing a Goodreads giveaway. Um, they're Mm, giving away 30 copies of the soul of the helper. So I'm just really super excited about that opening up today. And, um, yeah, I mean, I know when this, by the time this comes out, it'll have already been about a week, but that's okay. But folks can still sign up and the giveaway goes, uh, through the end of February. So nice. So yeah. That's, that's my one little update that we're, yeah. that's happening over here. I've actually, Anything? I've won a book yeah. through a Goodreads giveaway years no and years, probably seven years ago. It was forever what? ago. It was that's, so long ago. What book was yeah. it? Do you mind if I ask? It was... Um, wait, I'm turning around to find it. It was a book called The Honest Truth About Dishonesty by Ooh. Dan O'Reilly. Um, and he's a, uh, I, I don't, I mean, obviously I read it forever ago, but uh, some, some interesting things there about honesty and stuff like that and like some social science type things where, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're more likely to cheat on things later in the day than earlier in the day. And, ah. uh, you know, if you make people sign their name that they won't cheat on a test then they're less likely to even though that holds obviously no weight whatsoever like uh-huh. that type of so, things like that that uh, was was pretty interesting uh that is- I know, maybe i'll go back and read it sometime but it was i mean it was <laughs> you know like i said seven eight years ago i don't know it was forever ago but so there you go evidence that that you can win these things do happen <laughs> uh, so go go on over to goodreads and get that's a amazing. win a copy of holly's book I love it. I love it. No, that's that's really neat. And uh, in the meantime, while you're waiting for your free copy, you can go pre-order it as well. So that's we'll toss right. That, that out there as well. Yeah. Yeah. 
And at the the other big piece is that it's also 40% off over at Templeton Press's website with free shipping. So I've been trying to, to share that little tidbit for folks. I know everybody's got their preferences of where they pick up their books, and that's amazing. Yeah. Um, but it's been great that Templeton has been so supportive in trying to make this book as accessible as possible to fellow helpers right now. So um, so yeah, so yeah. go get it. 40% off. Anyways. All right. Yeah, that's awesome. So what I want to hear, do you have a question for this week? Yes. Are you I was going, Yes. Yes. I, I was going okay. to ask, uh, <laughs> what is what is a game you've played recently that was uh, a lot of fun? You know, sometimes you, no, oh, we'll play this card game or whatever, it's not that fun or whatever, but a game uh, recently that you've played with your family or whatever that uh, you really had a lot of fun with. Oh my gosh. I love this question. Okay. I have two. Um, per usual. So the first one I'm going to mention is Mousetrap because we got it for Oliver for his birthday recently. And we played that so many times. The one barrier to that game though, is the setup. It takes so long to set that game up. Mm, so, yeah. <laughs> so there are times where the kids want to play it. And we're like, Oh, we got to leave in like 20 minutes and it's going to take like 20 minutes just to set it up. So probably yeah. not today, but um, but we've been playing that a lot, and we've been playing Uno a lot in our yeah. house lately. So classic. That's I know that's a big big favorite of ours. So yeah, but yeah. What that. about y'all? Uh, so actually, uh, we play lots of you know board games, card games, stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, we always have. But so uh, we actually um, we got a a Switch recently, a Nintendo Switch, uh, as part of a yes. Christmas present, and watching Gray play Mario Kart has been. <gasps> just so much fun i we have like a you know back when i did ministry there was like we did uh, the for some reason mario kart was like the big thing or whatever so i'm uh-huh. like really good at mario kart and mm-hmm. so uh, we got that um but you can turn on like smart steering or whatever so it won't let you fall off and it'll kind of help you and so we have that turned on for Gray's. but huh. watching him he's actually pretty good at it and he like knows the different items he's like i got the the shell or whatever, right? And uh-huh. um, watching him uh, just get so excited when he gets different things or uh, every time he finishes, this is true, whenever he finishes and it like comes up finish, uh, uh-huh. most of the time he's last, right? I mean, he, whatever, or sometimes sometimes <laughs> yeah. he's somewhere in the middle, but every uh-huh. single time, no matter what, it pops up and he goes finish and he goes, yes, I win oh every time, gosh. no matter what. And oh, I, like Brooke and I both just great. kind of look at each other like, ah, yeah, that, we'll just, that's fine. We're not, you know, yeah, I'm not good enough. But he gets so excited <laughs> uh, and it's it's very fun to just to watch him playing that. So it's, uh, you know, he's he's great at it. It's weird. Oh my you know, gosh, kids that's awesome. Yeah, I know. No, that's so fun. That's a favorite in our home too. Mario Kart and Mario Party. And Mario Kart is not necessarily like Oliver and Callie. That's not, I mean, they love it, but they're kind of in the same boat as Gray. Like, you know, and what place they- yeah, yeah, coming in last year. Yes. Um, but I would say with Mario Party, they they beat they beat Corey and I actually um, a handful of times, and it's like they don't mm. even know what buttons they're pressing, but somehow they win. I don't yeah. understand it, but you know, <laughs> it works. So yeah. But the play the playfulness though woven within the discussion and within um, the, what we're describing, like it just is totally relevant for today, especially these days. Like we could all use more playfulness, I think. So yeah. 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 Maybe that's why Wordle has really gone, gone I, big, you know? Oh, my gosh. Everybody's you know, playing together. Not today's, though. Today made me mad. So. <laughs> <laughs> 
Amazing. Anyways, I digress. All right. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I bet on Monday it's going to be a really easy one, and everyone listening is going to go, "Why couldn't you get that, Holly?" Yeah, they don't I know, know what right? they recorded. No, um, that's right. Yeah. That's right. That's awesome. <laughs> well, we will. Uh, it's a little sillier intro, but it works for the context of the the, the interview. You know, uh, mm-hmm. we will yeah. transition on in and let everybody hear our conversation with Courtney Ellis. All right. Enjoy, y'all. Hey, today we have our dear friend, Courtney Ellis, returning back to CXMH. She is an author, a speaker, and a mom of three, and her books include Uncluttered, Free Your Space, Free Your Schedule, Free Your Soul, um, which we talked about back on CXMH episode 63, as well as Almost Holy Mama, Life-Giving Practices for Weary Parents. And today we're going to talk about her new book, Happy Now, Let Playfulness Lift Your Load and Renew Your Spirit. Uh, Ellis serves alongside her husband as a Presbyterian pastor in Southern California. Uh, She was born in the Northern Woods of Wisconsin and graduated from Wheaton College, Loyola University of Chicago, and Princeton Theological Seminary. She and her family love to read, to hike all over the Western wilds, and to bake all sorts of tasty things. Her words have been featured in Christianity Today, uh, Huffington Post, The Mighty, and many more. And she's a regular columnist for uh, Fathom Magazine and hosts the PCOM podcast. Courtney, we are so excited to have you back on yeah. our show. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me. It's a delight to be with you both. Absolutely. Well, it is so fun to have you back. And I know, you know, we just got to chat for, gosh, almost 20 minutes just catching up um, before hitting record. So it's, you know, it just feels like just a big welcome home party having you back here. (laughs) Um, Anything else uh, that we missed from your bio that you want to share? No, but it's been a couple of years since I've been here and it feels like 20, 30, 40 years, just all the life that we've all lived. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's been a Yeah, for sure. For sure. It has, it does feel like it's been much longer than just a couple of years. Well, I'm, I'm so excited for us to get to dive into your book today into the new one, which again is called Happy Now, Let Playfulness Lift Your Load and Renew Your Spirit. But uh, before we dive in to this book, which I do have to say, I'm so honored that I had gotten to write an endorsement for this book um, when it came out. And like, I've just, I know we were talking just before, like I've loved returning back to this book, especially in this season that we're in. Um, But I would love to hear you start off by telling us a bit about the backstory of this book and kind of what led you to, to write this book in the first place. I tend to write my books out of places of need or places of pain in my own mm. life. Uncluttered came because I was drowning in stuff <laughs> and almost mm-hmm. holy mama came because I, I needed to learn how to engage in spiritual practices with tiny, tiny children when I was so tired. I didn't know how I would get through the day and happy now came about because my husband and my kids and I were in a season of life where everything was going pretty well, but I wasn't happy. And I threw myself into this study of scripture that Mm. talked a lot about the joy of the Lord and rejoicing in the Lord. And I was like, okay, do I just try harder? Because that's not what I understand the gospel to be. The gospel is not try harder and be better. There must be some, some way to find my way into this joy that scripture speaks of without just trying to white knuckle it, because that seems really counterproductive. 
And what I discovered as I read and studied and talked to experts is that one of the best tools we have to find our way back into happiness is the tool of play. And play can seem really binary. Either we're playing or we're not. And we tend to think of play as something we do. We play a board game. We play a sport. We play an instrument. But playfulness is this bigger category where we can be more innovative and creative and hold our lives with open hands and the spirit of improvisation. And what happens when we enter into playfulness, when we are more open to God's gift of play, is this spark of happiness arrives and playfulness does all the work. And so my family and I, we, we began to realize that through this daily grind of getting through graduate school and raising tiny children, our happiness had drained away because we had become overly serious. There was so much work to do. And when there's work to do, play feels like a luxury. And so this book was the journey mm -hmm. of returning mm -hmm. back to the invitations of, of playfulness that God offers to us. Mm, I love that. Yeah. I love that. And even that honesty around the writing, what it is that you need in that season. Like, I appreciate that transparency. And I know, I mean, you are really transparent in the book too about, you know, um, you know, the ringing in your ears and the fear of a, of a, of a tumor that you were afraid of. Uh, and, and just that, that, um, yeah, just that heaviness and where the role of play and playfulness kind of weave into all of that. I just really appreciated your transparency even early on in the book. Yeah, I, I used to say I don't write how-to books or self-help books. I write me-to books. I'm on this journey with you. Mm -hmm. I don't say that anymore. That hits the ear differently after, mm -hmm. after yeah. some of the things yeah. we've been through. Yeah. I, need, I need a better phrase, but it's it's a journey that we're on together. And I think especially those of us in helping professions, you know, both of you work in helping professions. I work in a helping profession. We tend to see the work as so deeply important, and it is that we can start to believe the lie that the work is all there is. And mm. what play does for those of us who, who work in helping professions or just in the profession of being a parent or a caregiver in any regard is playfulness can refill and refuel us so that the work ahead suddenly is a little bit easier, which is something that we all need. So play and playfulness are not luxury items. They are, they are essentials to healthy life and healthy faith and healthy relationships. I quote in the book mm. from Edwin Friedman, who writes a lot about family systems theory, and he talks about how one of the one of the signs of organizational unhealth is deadly seriousness. And often, the less mm. an organization plays or allows for playfulness, the less healthy it is. And we can see this. We can see this as as we mm. are all walking through this COVID pandemic, and school board meetings have now become these knockdown throw throw down type of mm -hmm. type of brawls and mm -hmm. when we get so deadly serious we we stop seeing people as people as fellow humans on the journey and playfulness really does help reorient us to the deeper rhythms of life yeah i love yeah. that and I, right there, you mentioned, you know, we've kind of seen this through uh, throughout the COVID pandemic, right? And you actually uh, talk about having nearly finished this book right as COVID started to hit. And then uh, for listeners that are listening, right, this book actually released August 1st, right? So what happened that made you, I mean, obviously COVID did, right? But from, from then, I guess, you know, uh, early, early 2020 to uh, when this book actually released, what changed about it? What made you say, okay, hold on, I'm going to, I'm going to 
re I'm going to shift some of this and edit and and change it up, right? Like what's changed about it in kind of the past two years? Yeah, I I I turned in the first draft of the book March first, twenty twenty, and then mm, the oh world fell apart. <laughs> the world <laughs> completely fell apart, and you know my my editor sat on it for a couple of months, and then she sent it back to me, and she said, you know, take a look. Is there anything you want to revise in light of you know gestures broadly at everything? And I and I read through the manuscript manuscript and I realized two things. One, there were some updates I wanted to make because the world was just different, and not to it not acknowledge that would make the book already seem very dated and out of touch. Mm, but yeah. the second thing was that the lessons of playfulness. The book is structured around these ten different invitations of playfulness. Things like play small and improvise, take off your shoes. These lessons held true even in this new reality that we were living through. And what I discovered as I read through it, as I was suddenly homeschooling my children and pastoring my church in a largely digital way and preaching to an mm -hmm. iPhone and trying to do counseling mm -hmm. appointments from 10 feet apart in the church parking lot, mm -hmm. right? Like just all of these things. As I started to do these things, I realized, oh, these, these lessons of playfulness, these are going to get me through. And without these lessons, I don't know how I would have made it through to the other side, parenting with any sort of joy and pastoring with any sort of creativity, because it's just too hard to white knuckle through. And there are things we have to take seriously. We are all tired of the people who wear their masks playfully, right? It goes over your nose. <laughs> but most things, when given a dose of, of creativity and playfulness, they, they just help right the ship if it was tilting over to one side or the other. Um, so I was so grateful that I began this book when I did and had the opportunity to really sit and soak in it and then release it with all these digital book events in August, right? Every author out there is like, I just want to mm -hmm. sit in the Barnes and Noble again. And slowly we're, we're able to do that, but it's been a really unique challenge and I've had to be playful about it. So I've really had to test <laughs> test the, the theories that I, that I set out. Yeah, yeah, I, I absolutely hear you. And you, um, so you just nodded to those 10 invitations that we will get to in just a bit. But I also just want to build on what you just mentioned there too, about playfulness in general. So early in the book, you talk about, you actually kind of disentangle playfulness versus play and like how these words are different from each other. Do you mind um, unpacking that a little bit more? And like, how do you see those two words as being different? And like, which should we be thinking about a little bit more um, kind of in our, our lives? We often think of play as something that's kind of like a light switch. We are playing or we're not. If my three-year-old daughter walks over to me and says, mommy, play with me, she doesn't mean continue washing the dishes you're already washing in a fun manner. She means drop what you're doing, sit on the floor, play with these blocks with me. But playfulness is something that can infuse almost every aspect of our life. We can worship playfully. We can pray playfully. We can attend to our households playfully. We can work playfully. One of the, the best things we've done as a church staff is we have weekly staff meetings and once a month now we do something playful. And sometimes that's just walking to the local coffee shop and then sitting outdoors and chatting with each other. Sometimes um, we do something that's, you know, very explicitly play-based. We we used to go bowling. Post-COVID, I don't know if we're going to go bowling anymore. <laughs> Everyone's kind of grossed <laughs> out by the idea of bowling. Um, but what happened was it wasn't that the business didn't get done. It's that the business gets done when the relationships are built. So for the book, I interviewed a, a registered play therapist. She's actually the, the wife of our senior pastor. Her name is Malika Cleland, and she defines play and playfulness as anything that brings us joy 
and connection. And that Mm. was such a helpful frame Mm. for me because if you think about your life, your work, your friendships, your family, infusing playfulness into almost anything we do in those relationships, it builds trust, it builds bonds, it builds connections, it loosens our grip from the from the tight white knuckles that we tend to hold our lives with. And it really is transformative when we're reminded that we don't have to we don't have to figure it all out in advance. We can walk through life hand in hand uh, with the Lord and live with hands that are more more open, more open to whimsy, more open to wonder. It really is a game changer. And I'm a I'm a recovering serious aholic. I'm a firstborn daughter. Mm-hmm. I'm an Enneagram three. Like we can't help ourselves. Like we are going to get it done. And this this was really a revelation to me that that God God wanted me to drink deeply of of the gift of joy and that playfulness is one of the easiest and fastest roads there. Yeah. So you write in this book that, 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 that doesn't cancel out any serious things that we need to attend to. Right. And I think you mentioned that I can't remember if we had started recording yet or not, but the idea that these things aren't, it's not this dichotomy of like, you're either things are playful or you're taking them seriously. Can you talk some about that? You know, if someone's listening, they say, okay, but there is a lot of serious things happening in the world that like, I want to I want to do or I want to address or like it seems uh, irresponsible or it seems flippant to be playful while I'm uh, you know seeing you know my Twitter feed full of really terrible thing or whatever right like can you talk some about maybe that tension yeah the the world is burning right how dare we how dare we laugh in the face of <laughs> right <laughs> yeah such mm. suffering and tragedy and disaster and that's the beautiful thing about playfulness it is not um it is not something that cancels out suffering or tragedy. And we need to be really mindful. You know, I, I'm a pastor, I work in ministry. And if someone comes to me with something that is deep and heavy and painful, I'm not going to throw a joke in the middle of that conversation. I'm not going to say, you know, you know, what would really help us would be ping pong. So let's go outside. We have to hold these things. And we see this in the person of Jesus, that Jesus was a person of deep lament, but he was also a person who enjoyed the playfulness of things like a feast like telling a beautiful story, that these things go in hand in hand. And often it is the folks in our midst who have suffered the most that have the most to teach us about the depths mm. of joy. Because mm. the surprising thing I learned in this book early on, as I was starting to write the manuscript, I had conversations with a lot of friends who were like, you're writing a book on happiness. That sounds really fun. And then I spoke with a friend who has been through really tremendous suffering in her life. And she said, you're writing a book on happiness, on joy, on playfulness. I'm going to pray for you because that sounds excruciating. And I said, what do you mean? And she said, well, you can't understand joy if you're not willing to deal with your own suffering and pain. Otherwise, it's a false joy. And I came back to her words time and time and time again, that it's the people who have cried the most that know how to laugh the most. You think of an Irish funeral, of an Irish wake where people are telling stories and laughing because of the depth of their grief. It's not flippant, it's it's deep. And that's the lesson of, of Christian joy and Christian hope and this hope that we find in the person of Jesus is not that Jesus looks at us in our pain and says, be happy. Jesus isn't on the cross mm-hmm. whistling a happy tune. He's saying, God, why have you forsaken me? And that is when the beauty of the resurrection really hits us in a different way when we realize the depth of the suffering. So playfulness is not something that cancels out suffering. It's another tool in our toolkit that helps make suffering more 
um, more manageable sometimes that we can't just sit in the sadness all the time, but that playfulness and joy and suffering and lament go hand in hand. And our life is these two feet walking. And if we don't acknowledge Mm. one or the other, we're not going to get very far. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's really good. Yeah. I'm glad that Robert asked that question. And I know you nod to that a little bit in that chapter on Jazzy Jesus and the importance of like improvising, but also like you were just saying, you know, Jesus wasn't like bypassing the pain through uh, his suffering, but that like that suffering was named and there are spaces to be able to lean into joy and just where and when and how, like it's kind of a dance as we kind of go through this life. So I, yeah, I really appreciate how you just unpack that. That's so good. Well, in the, in the second part of this book, and you were, again, you were kind of nodding to this a bit earlier, but you offer us these 10 invitations of playfulness, which I honestly, I think it's really helpful for us because many of us at times may literally need guidance on how to play or how to lean into playfulness, which again, I think that's, it's just, this book is so practical and helpful for us. And so, especially, you know, again, if we're not regularly engaged in playfulness, you know, this, it can be kind of difficult. So I think these, these 10 invitations are extremely helpful. And you even have these prompts at the end of each chapter on how to um, accept the invitation and kind of lean into these invitations of playfulness. So if you, I guess what we could do first is if you want to kind of give a, a quick summary of these 10 invitations, and then we have some follow-up questions, I guess, about them. So do you want to first kind of give us an overview of these these 10 invitations? Sure. Yeah. I, I structured the book around these 10 invitations because what I found in the, in the research and the study and my own lived experience was that playfulness tends to go through this pattern of invitation. We're invited into play or we invite ourselves into play or someone invites us, says, you know, we're turning the music on the dance floor, come on out. But then we have to give ourselves permission. And this is often where we trip ourselves up as adults, like, oh, I shouldn't, or oh, I might look silly. We, we've decided as adults, we have to be experts in everything. I don't know if you've ever been to one of those wine and painting nights that used to be popular pre-COVID, but mm-hmm. I would sit with yep. I would sit with friends who would say, "Well, I'm going to need a lot of wine to get over the fact that I can't paint." And it was like, "Goodness, you know, we paid fifteen dollars for you just to have fun. This doesn't yeah, need to go in the, right. in, in the in the in the loop. Yeah. Like it's okay." Yeah. <laughs> so there's invitation and then permission. We give ourselves this permission. God grants us this permission, and then there's the joy of release. There's the spark. Of playfulness, where the playfulness does all the work. So the book is structured around these 10 invitations of playfulness. And I tell folks in the introduction, read them in whatever order you want, skip around, decide, you know, this is a mm-hmm. playful book. And you may look at those chapter headings and think, nope, nope, nope. Yep. This one sounds workable for me. This one sounds <laughs> approachable. Um, so I'm not going to go through each one in detail, but they kind of, they kind of ebb and flow in different areas of life. So there are different different strands of playfulness that might feel the least amount of threatening to you where your life is, but they, they start off Mm -hmm. with an invitation first to rest. And this is where I had to start in my own life, an invitation to really take God at his word when it comes to the practice of Sabbath, of taking a day every week. Eugene Peterson describes the Sabbath as a day for praying and playing. 
And so I was so tired. Ooh. I was so fried. I couldn't play. And if you go to someone who's near burnout and say, you really should have more fun, that's not grace. That's burden. That's unkind. So God mm-hmm. often comes to us first with rest. And if anyone out there listening is just burnt out by your job, burnt out by your ministry, exhausted from raising kids, caring for aging parents, living through a global catastrophe, I don't know, that the first playful invitation from God is just to rest well to, to lay down, to take a holy nap if if that's what we need. Um, but the invitation to play flow out of this first invitation. So it's things like play small things like improvise, um, seek adventure. And these invitations culminate in the final one, which is take off your shoes, which is an invitation to Mm. playfulness in worship that almighty God does not come to us and say, this must all be taken very, very seriously. But God comes to us with a book that is filled with poetry, that is filled with imagery, that is filled with apocalyptic predictions. God comes to us in the eyes of our neighbor who is very different than we are. God comes to us Mm. as children come to us. And this reminder that worship is a holy and sacred endeavor, which does not mean it cannot also be playful. Um, And it goes through some of the instances in scripture where God shows up in an unexpected, spontaneous, playful way. And as a pastor, as our church is walking its way, hopefully, dear Jesus, to the other side of this pandemic, we we've had to invest in live stream technology and digital editing services and all of these different things. But the best investment we made as a church was we purchased three ping pong tables for the church patio. And as we started gathering back in person, you know, with all of our safety protocols in place, we invited people to stay after service outdoors, very safe, you're outdoors, um, and play ping pong if they wanted to. And what we saw was it formed this joyful community, which was the thing people had been missing the most. There are men and women who come to our church and bring a change of clothes because they know they're going to get so sweaty playing ping pong and they trash talk. And then they come back to worship the next week with this expectation not just of encountering God, but of encountering God through one another, through the laughter and the play that happens after worship. People were coming to worship and they were leaving in the next five minutes because there was nothing to do. And now people stay and relationships Mm. are being formed and God is being glorified because of play, because of ping pong. I love that. I actually am very tempted right now to text my pastor and be like, we need some ping pong tables at our church. Yes, you're in Texas. You can do this. This doesn't work. No, I love that. That's such a good idea, Courtney. I love that so much. Yeah, it reminds me of, so I I have a background in campus ministry, right? Like working with college students and stuff like that. And uh, the, the thing that like always was, you know, there was always kind of a space that was open for most of the time, which I know is a little bit different on a college campus, right? But there was always games there, whether it was you know, like when I, my my intern year when I worked in college ministry, I spent so much time playing Mario Kart because the sophomore dudes always wanted to play Mario Kart, yes. right? But like it led to so much growth in conversation and then like just all that connectedness and stuff. And so just all, all the college students having a place where they could go and just play games and such and like have that fun amidst the stress of finals or whatever, right? And I think it's so cool to think about what if our churches, like you're talking about, what if they offered that same type of thing, right? Like, hey, even though you have taxes due and projects and whatever and parenting stress, like you could come and play ping pong. Like that, I love that idea. Uh, and obviously that takes some figuring out to to actually do, but I, I just, I love that idea and I can see exactly how that makes sense. I would love that. I, w- I would go. 
Right? You're welcome anytime. My husband will take you on. He's very competitive. I'm terrible at ping pong. This is not my <laughs> preferred play style. <laughs> yeah, it That's really awesome. does. I mean, we're so we're so hungry for connection right now and we're so hungry for joy. And so to see that spark with people, it really is beautiful because play does all the work. And then suddenly people are talking and people are laughing and people are connecting and oh my goodness, you know, we should have dinner together and it turns into this ministry that is not all on the shoulders of the pastors or the ministry team. People are connecting with each other as well, which is so often how how God works in our churches that it doesn't all come from on high. It's it's organic and play is this beautiful, beautiful organic thing. Yeah, I totally agree. So you just kind of unpacked with us about the connect practice. And I know, again, I think there's, there's 10 different invitations within this book um, of playfulness. Do you mind kind of, you know, just I want to be mindful of, of your time and just maybe kind of like summarizing the remainder of the invitations. And then I have some, some questions um, overarching that I'd love to ask as well. Yeah, absolutely. So the rest of the play invitations kind of run the gamut from playing small to failing regularly, which as as mm. someone who is is a, is a person who struggles with uh, letting go of achievement, that was a big one for me. Um, mm-hmm. to seeking adventure, mm-hmm. to to improvising. One of the things I did as I worked through my study of this book was I invited anyone I knew who liked to do something fun to invite me to join them. Uh, I said, uh-huh. you know, I'd love to come along for whatever it is that you love to do. And in fact, this question shaped how we've set up our church our church, our church membership class, we used to ask people the standard list of questions, you know, what brought you to the faith? What brought you to our church? And what do you do? Which is a terrible question. Mm. What do you do is a terrible question. <laughs> um, and instead we started to say, and what do you love to do? And now uh-huh. people were talking about going birding and people were talking about fly fishing and people were talking about Mario Kart and people were talking about, and suddenly the guy sitting in the front row and the guy sitting in the back row were like, wait, you fly fish? Wait, hang on. We have to talk about this later. And it was forming connections in a way that one person working in finance and another person working in finance, they're never like, ooh, that's exciting. Let's get together and talk about finance, right? They're sick (laughs) of talking about finance, but they want to talk about fly fishing or they want to, oh, there's a knitting group here on campus. That's amazing. Let's talk about that. And so I asked people if I could join them in what they love to do. And I ended up at an archery range and I ended up in an an extreme cycling class Mm -hmm. and I ended up doing things (laughs) that I might never do again, but the joy and connection in watching someone do what they love and in being a beginner again and knowing that I'm not going to get a bullseye at this archery range and that's okay. It's okay to fail at archery, assuming I don't actually hurt anybody. Mm Mm-hmm. It was such a delight. And that's one of the things we lose in adulthood as we start deciding that we have to be experts or we can't do the thing at all. And playfulness reorients us. It helps us to be childlike again. And there is such Mm -hmm. delight in trying something new. There is such delight in realizing that failure isn't fatal when we first were married, my my husband would really, really stress out on his nights to cook dinner because he he was a, he was a takeout child. He ate a lot of In and Out Burger and a lot of Tommy's, mm. and and he he didn't really grow up around a kitchen, and so he would be so stressed. And if it didn't turn out, he would just want to fall to pieces. And I was like, sweetie, we can always have cereal. 
We can always have cereal. I love cereal. Cereal is great. And when he learned that it wasn't fatal to season the chicken wrong, suddenly it just opened him up to this whole exciting culinary world of, oh, spices. Mm -hmm. You can experiment with spices. You can try new things with spices. We can always have cereal. So as we step through these invitations of playfulness, they each one of them unlocks a different part of us, a different part of our soul, a different part of our psyche, a different part of our emotional life. And it brings us deeper into this country of, of joy. And so the book is this guide that kind of leads us on this journey of playfulness. Uh, but again, these 12 invitations don't have to be taken in order. And, and folks are free to kind of move about them as they will. And, and one of the things I, I like to make clear is that we all, we all have our own play style. And that was the hardest part of writing this book was um, I sent it to my editor and she sent it back and she said, this is a really good book, but you never get down to the point where you figure out how you like to play. You never actually play in this book. <laughs> you play how other people play and you play with other people, but there's no moment where you're like, I have found my thing that I love to do. And she was like, so you have work to do and we're not going to publish it until you figure that out. I was like, okay, all right. And what I realized was I grew up in a family of extroverts. I'm an introvert. I grew up in a family that loves... Um, a lot of adventure and they love to be outdoors. They love to go boating. They love big, loud things. And I am not wired that way. And so I had to realize there is no correct play style. There are things that we can do because they're fun to connect with other people. But also some of us have a very quiet play style. I play best. I tend to play best on my own doing very quiet things, whether that's crossword puzzle or a long mm. hike or, or something where my soul just settles down. And I feel that spark and that flow in that deep interior place in myself. And I had to learn that that is okay, that all play is not confetti out of a t-shirt cannon. Some play is very huh. subtle and very quiet, but no less joyful. And so when I give myself permission to sit down with a jigsaw puzzle that is completely useless, that is not going to get me any articles published, that is not going to get the dishes finished, that is not going to get this sermon written, that God is glorified and my soul is refreshed by putting these pieces together and taking time. Uh, one of the invitations of play is to do useless things. That when we do things that are not designed for profit or for personal fulfillment or for achievement or for our Etsy store or whatever, mm -hmm. there is such deep joy in just playing. Hmm. Mm. Yeah. That's so good. I love that because I think yeah. there is there tends to be maybe this kind of like side hustle culture at the moment where it's like if I also uh, – paint then i have to sell those for and i understand for a lot of people that there's a financial aspect to that 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 maybe does need to be there but i think it's so interesting how often if we if we say hey you know you're allowed to just have a hobby and not post about it or you can post about it but you don't have to profit it right like the idea that like pleasure and pressure don't often hang out together and so if it's like i have to do this thing so that i can make it my side hustle or whatever, right? Like that that isn't going to be as much fun probably as, hey, I'm just doing this puzzle, right? Like for for me, because I like doing this puzzle. Um, so mm -hmm. I'd love that. I, I would love to hear of these 10, right? We have like rest well, be a kid again, connect, improvise, do useless things, seek adventure, invest in community, play small, fail regular, regularly, and take off your shoes. I would, I'd be really curious to hear uh, which was the most fun for you to write about, which was uh, maybe the most difficult for you, uh, which one is the one that you most often do or comes easiest. I would love to maybe hear some of that. Yeah, I 
Oh, that's a hard question because I think at different times <laughs> and at different moments and at different hours of the day, mm-hmm. right? I'm not a morning yeah. person, so none of it comes easy to me before 9 a.m. We we have small children right now. Our kids are three, five, and nine. So the invitation to be a kid again was both the most joyful and the hardest because I think so much of parenting is about making sure the trains run on time, right? No one ever wants to put their shoes mm-hmm. on, but you have to be somewhere by X time or they get the tardy slip, right? So it's this it's this pressure of kids really do just play so well and want to have fun and want to connect. And also parenting is about making sure that there's a vegetable at some point during the day. Um, <laughs> so this invitation to really learn from them and take delight in them and find ways to partner with them as a parent. And I think much of my parenting before then had kind of been oppositional and not in a a cruel way, but just in a, like, I have a goal and your goal is different than my goal and I'm going to win because you have to get in the car. Sorry. Sorry if you don't want to, Mm. (laughs) but, but playfulness is this invitation that the serious way is often not the best way. And it's often not even the fastest way. So I share the story early in the book of our middle son who was just built like a fire hydrant. Like the kid was very solid, right? Like he he was an ox and it was really hard to get him to do things he didn't want to do. And I was trying to get him in the car and we're late for church and I can feel the sweat trickling down my back and into the waistband of my skirt and he will not get in his car seat. And so I'm doing what I do, which is saying, you have to get in your seat. It is time to go. You have to do it. And Daryl, my husband came up behind me and said, you know, do you want to tag out, which is our marital slang for like, I can see, you know, your temperature is rising and you, you need mm-hmm. a break. Um, and so I said, yes, please, I'll tag out. And I, I walked around and I got in my my seat in the car and Daryl leans in and looks our toddler straight in the eye. And he says, buddy, I bet you can't get your arms in your car seat straps before I count to 10. And mm-hmm. just like that, the arms are in the straps and he's buckled and we're sailing off to church with the air conditioning on. And, and Daryl looked at me and he said, you know, like you, you just got to play with him. And I said, we were running too late mm. for play. And mm. he goes, but my way was faster. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And that really uh-huh. cracked the code for me that, that often the playful way is not just the best way and the lightest way and the gentlest way, but it's also often the best way and fastest way to reach the goal that we had in the first place, which is so interesting that play isn't a means to an end. And yet it often is the best means to the end in the end. Hmm. Yeah. I love that. I was, uh, I think like 90% of the way we get our three-year-old to do anything is by challenging him to a race. So, um, have you, uh, have, have either of y'all, do either of y'all's kids watch Bluey? Bluey is the best. Oh yes, Bluey okay, makes me so, cry. Yes, yeah, so it's so great. And I've I've heard the joke that Bluey is a parenting show that we let our kids watch, right? Because like the yeah. their parents are so good at making yep. everything like into a game and just rolling they with just it. Model, yeah. And my brother, I'll text him later to make sure that he's fine with me sharing this, but he <laughs> has like openly admitted that like that's not his natural tendency. Uh, and so yeah. he when his he's trying to get his son to do things, he literally goes like okay, what would Bluey's dad do? And like tries to do that mm. because that will shift him into like a, yes, I will play along with this mindset um, yeah. to, to play because maybe that's, he needs a, a reminder in that aspect. Yes. And, and that. one of the most tragic things in parenting is kids will come to us with these playfulness attempts, right? Do you want to play? When I throw you the ball, will you throw it back? When I suggest the game, will you say yes? 
But as they grow older, they will make these attempts less and less. And if we shut these down regularly, and if we shut them down with enough strength, that the kids eventually stop making these play attempts with us. And so the part of the the role and the goal as a parent is to see and recognize these play attempts for what they are and to find a way to say even a partial yes, right? If I'm stirring something on the stove that's going to burn and my daughter wants me to play blocks, the, the, the gut reaction for me is to say, no, I can't, I'm cooking dinner. But is there a way that I can say a partial yes? Like, oh, you know, mommy's stirring this, but can you bring the blocks over to the counter? Let's make our castle over here. Let's make the 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 princess watch the boiling chicken, right? Like, let's, mm-hmm. are, are there ways that we can do that? And what I've found for myself as a parent is when I'm so exhausted and fried, that creative edge is gone for me. So it goes back again yeah. to the practices of rest. And when I'm rested and when I'm well fed, right? How many days am I making a nutritious lunch for the kids and then I'm eating a granola bar because I ran out of time? When I'm when I'm fed and watered and rested, that creativity is so much easier to come by and it flows out through the whole family. It's true in marriage as well. The John Gottman has this wonderful book about longevity and marriage and how the thing that predicts longevity the most is when one partner makes a repair attempt, does the other partner meet them there, right? So you just mm-hmm. had an argument and you lean in for a hug. Does the other person stiffen or do they hug back? And play attempts are very similar. Play attempts in marriage, play attempts in friendship, play attempts with our children. Do we meet the person there? And sometimes we can't say the full-throated yes. I cannot drive my car on the I-5 freeway playfully. We'll die. But can I put on some playful music? Probably so, right? Like there's probably a way I can say at least a partial yes. Um, and that has been really the biggest thing that writing and living the book has, has taught me. Mm. Yeah. It's so good. good. Yeah. Obviously right there, we talked lots about parenting, but I love that you brought it around to, uh, you know, relationships and marriages and friendships and all that as well, because that's, it's so applicable in, in all types of relationships, right? Yeah, it's true. It's true. And in staff relationships as well, our our senior pastor invited Daryl and I, Daryl and I are both pastors on staff as well. Our senior pastor said, Hey, I have tickets to a Ducks hockey game. Do you want to go? And it was going to be really late on a Friday night after a really busy week. He's like, my wife and I are going, we have two extra tickets and we both wanted to say no. And we realized like we haven't played together in a long time. And if we say yes to this, it's going to bear really good fruit. And we stayed up too late and there was a lot of coffee the next day. But you know what? It was the right yes to say. It, it mm-hmm. boosted our relationship as a staff, as pastors who have really been through the war together. It was so good to just go and laugh and scream and yell about hockey. Yeah. So one yeah. thing that we love to ask guests when they come on, especially if they've written a book or, or something like that, right? I would love to hear, what's your hope for this book? It's been out for a couple months now, but obviously it keeps launching and more people are getting their hands on it. What's your hope mm-hmm. for this book? My hope for this book is that it would help people get back in touch with their with their joy. Kids have this joy naturally. They play naturally and we often lose it the older we get. And after everything we've lived through, we are all so ragged around the edges. And God has this wonderful, beautiful gift that comes to us through through playfulness. That the, Actually, the, the speaking event type that I'm doing most often as I launch this book are clergy seminars for clergy on the edge of burnout. How can you infuse play into your ministry and how can you recover this playfulness personally as a, as an element of self-care 
how can you make rest a priority mm-hmm. as an element of self-care? And I think that's true of clergy, but I think it's true of almost everybody on the face of the earth right now. Teachers are exhausted. Medical providers are exhausted. Essential workers, my, my poor grocery store clerk that I, that I see on a weekly basis, I'm always like, how are you doing, Carlos? And he's like, it's been a week, right? Like it, it, we're mm-hmm. all just on this ragged edge yeah. and God comes to us with, with this gift and says, it has been too much. It has been too hard. So sit down, sit down and take a nap, sit down with your jigsaw puzzle, sit down and look into the eyes of your children and remember how loved you are. And let me take this little bit of the burden away. Mm, that's so, so good. Well, listener, if you want to connect with Courtney, you can do so at uh, Courtney B, the letter B, Ellis.com. Um, she's also on Twitter at Courtney Ellis, uh, Facebook at author Courtney Ellis, and Instagram at uh, Courtney underscore Ellis underscore author. We'll have the links to all of those in the show notes. Um, You can pick up Courtney's new book, Happy Now, Let Playfulness Lift Your Load and Renew Your Spirit, uh, wherever you get your books. You can connect with Robert at robert-bohr.com or on any social media at Robert Bohr. You can connect with me at hollyoxhandler.com or on any social media at Oxhandler. Courtney, thank you again so much for joining us today and um, talking about this incredible book with us. Um, Do you have any closing thoughts for our listeners? No, just that God gives you permission to play so you can give yourself permission to play too. And if you want, uh, you can read the first chapter there at my website, the first chapter of the book, and it's on Kindle, it's on audiobook. I will come to your house and read it to you through the magic of audiobook, if that's your thing. <laughs> oh man, I thought you were going to stop there and I was like, come on, come here and read it to me. Let's go. For you, for you, Robert and Holly, just about anything. So <laughs> just let me know. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the CXMH podcast. Want to score some major brownie points? Leave us five stars and an honest review on iTunes. Follow us on social media at CXMH podcast and email us with questions, comments, and interview requests at CXMH podcast at gmail.com.